Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And I have our Grigree. We are early morning recording. I know. So we have coffee. We have um, deeper, sleepy voices. Yes. I haven't Who even... doesn't want to hear this in the morning? I, I right? hope you all press play at 7 a.m. Yes. Our husbands are lucky, lucky men, I think, because they just <laughs> oh, get this yeah. succulent sound in the morning. Succulent. <laughs> I use that word on purpose. Okay. I have not even been awake for an hour, full disclosure. Poor Megan. This was like waking up next to me. I have I told her I've brushed my hair and I've brushed my teeth and that's all I've done. And I so. showered, but I didn't do my hair because I have a hair appointment later. Mm-hmm. So I just like pulled it back like I'm an I don't know. Like I'm an old teacher. It's adorable. I like I'm it. Teacher and I pulled it in a clip bun and Yeah. We're doing we're doing good. So if we are a little unusual today just know the time of day i am not a morning person me either this should be interesting it should be or we're just going to be really boring and technical today because it's too early for me to say the funny things (laughs) they might come out they might come out (laughs) oh let's hope um so i have kind of a not kind of. I have a gross human for us today. Do um, you usually? I mean, yes, you yes. Me some n- really awful humans. I never Humanoids. bring you anybody nice, except for, well, not even that. I was going to say, except for when we bring Wes into the studio. But you know, I mean, it we is love what it him, is. but it still doesn't fit the category. You said does what it? you said. I did. I did. <laughs> love you, Wes. Um, so this is the story of Conan Wayne Hale. Now, what I really want to call him is Conan. Right, because of Conan the Barbarian, but it's Conan. I think it's Conan. (laughs) It's spelled C-O-N-A-N. So... It's it's Conan. It could be Conan. Conan O'Brien. It's it's Irish. Yeah. And and he was born in 1975, so I feel like... I mean, this is right during the time of Conan the Barbarian. His parents named him after Conan. You had a lot of Sonias born there mm -hmm. from Red Sonia. Yes. I don't know if we had a lot of Arnold Schwarzeneggers, Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of Arnolds Arnolds, then too. But this makes sense to me that we have a Conan. Yeah, so can we just call him Conan? Yes. I just don't want, I don't, I don't want anybody coming at me and like, let, do you know it's Conan? What was the bad guy's name? Call, was it Call the Destroyer in those same movies? I if any so. of you are named yeah. Call that were born in that yep. age Now you range, know why. We know mm-hmm. that you're in therapy from your parents. That's right. Yeah, exactly. They were in a dark place. <laughs> they were, they, they were you. in a dark place. <laughs> oh gosh. So yeah, so this shithead was born December 28th, 1975 in Lane County, Oregon, which is where this place, this place, this case takes place at. I'm going to say the words backwards and wrong before. I haven't even had a full cup of coffee, people. So Do that like a shot. Bear with me. I know. At this point, give me one. <laughs> I should second. have brought us espresso this morning. Mm. Sitting here eating coffee beans. Yeah. From what I can tell, guys, his childhood is not picture perfect. Um, I mean, we are talking about a murderer, but not all of them have terrible childhoods. No. You know, but this one, 
there's not a ton of information out there. So I did kind of have to play like a little puzzle piece game. And this is what I've gathered for us. Okay. Now, when I say puzzle piece, I could be putting the horse together correctly or like upside down kissing his own ass. It's I'm a wonky sure. horse. It's, it, we, we will. Uh, the sources were valid. The information seems to track. So it wasn't too terrible, difficult to piece together. But I'm going to just use the word allegedly. Okay. In some of this stuff. Can you name the episode this? <laughs> right. We, um, he, we, I do know he has a brother and a sister. Um, now, his father was allegedly abusive. Mm-hmm. His parents were divorced. And um, some, some people described that he came from a broken home, which I hate that term for a, bro- a divorced family is not a broken family, for crying out loud. So I kind of took that Correct. with a grain of salt of possibly meaning broken home in that there was domestic violence, there was um, lack of supervision, you know, all of the things, not just the divorce. Right. But, but from that time frame, you know, God forbid one should be divorced. That was a broken home. Absolutely. So they may have actually intended it that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And also back with that time frame, you know, if you think about it, he's born in 1975. So he's 10 years old in 1985, growing into his teen years uh, towards the late 80s. And supervision just wasn't, parental supervision just wasn't what it is now today. No, I went out in the morning and would play outside. And as long as I showed up before dinner, no one cared. And there weren't cell phones. Exactly. Yeah. It just wasn't as um, front in our conscious awareness of, you know, all the bad things. And well, this gave um, Conan an opportunity to fall into drugs and alcohol in his early teen years. Okay. And I really think that this is where things started to spiral for him. Um, Now, whether it was the abuse at home that put him out more on the streets, hanging with the wrong crowd, not sure. But, um, and and I will get to why I'm saying not sure and allegedly on these things later, but but we do know that he started very early into drugs and alcohol and he got himself into some legal trouble. He decided that he was going to start breaking into homes, robbing homes, that happens doing, yeah, doing with all drugs. those things. Sure does. You got to pay for them. Which then landed him in front of the court system, the juvenile court system, of course, right? Right. And he was ordered to complete some inpatient drug uh, treatment. He actually got put into a juvenile detention center. Yes. Very program. familiar with those. Yes. And this is in the early, early nineties. So 1992, 93. Sure. Uh, now I was able to see some correspondence from others who were in that program with him. Okay. And they described him as someone who had frequent outbursts. Okay. Um, they never really saw him as a real threat. They just kind of saw him as a punk teenager, you know, a very stereotypical for the type of kids that were in there, really. Um, He did try to escape the treatment center a couple of times, which did nothing but make his treatment longer, of course. Um, But he, and this is why I said allegedly to the childhood stuff, because he would tell everyone in that program Stories about how his father would beat him and his siblings, how um, his mother's boyfriends would sexually assault him, and how his mother also attempted suicide oftentimes right in front of him, uh, mostly by trying to cut her own wrists. Okay. Okay. So this sounds pretty awful. Yeah. And I think probably somewhere in the middle lies the truth, but... 
a one person who was roommates with him at this rehabilitation center after all of his crimes came forward and said, you know, I actually met his mom during all of the that stuff and she didn't have any scars on her wrists that she should have had given the stories that he told. Mm-hmm. So it really made him question um, how credible him as information on his childhood really was. So, you know, I am sure that there were probably... Things. Things. Yes, yes, yes. But to this extreme, possibly not. So yeah. I just want to throw that out no there. No evidence. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 And, um, and also, we will learn through the course of this case just how much of a liar that Conan really is and the links that he'll go to to lie. So that also pulls me in the direction of, yeah, you probably did get your ass whooped by your dad for being an asshole. Uh, truly, back then, that's it what wasn't, they did. Yeah, they did. And I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I'm saying that that's the reality of the time. And you know, maybe your mom did have a lot of boyfriends, and you, and that probably pissed you off, right? You know, but and, and uh, tragically, maybe one or more did sexually assault him. I don't know, but is still, it's just like one of those things where. Okay, you can you feel sorry for the kid, but not the adult that he turns into. Sure, um, as as would happen often, and mm-hmm. with most serial killers. Yes, so. yeah, definitely. Weirdly, and I was thinking about this the other day. The David Brown case is the only one where I didn't feel sorry for the kid. Oh, you weren't and nice then, about him from <laughs> his infancy, from in utero. I wasn't. That was that was a weird twist for mm-hmm. me because I'm not usually like that. But there was something about it. Might have been the three books that I read on it, but sure, like he Z- just zero rubbed, sympathy. Oh my god, he rubbed me the wrong way from the beginning, from utero. <laughs> Seriously. So we're not sympathetic to Conan the Librarian. <laughs> Sorry. I was hoping you were gonna do Ba-dum-bum. it. Bump. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that that's what we get an early morning Megan yep. dad jokes. Dad jokes. Okay. That's it. I love it. Uh, okay. So the other problem that kids had with him in this rehabilitation center is that he became really righteous in his sobriety. Oh, so yes, he would chastise others for even for swearing. Like he is so above all of. Everything negative. He found his higher power. Yeah, he can't even swear now. Okay. And so he also, you know, there's a story where some of the boys, one of them was 13. And so they're making crude remarks about some of the female workers. They had some um, college interns working there. So, you know, hormonal teenage boys behind these women's backs, they are making lewd remarks, Right. right? Look at the rack on her. Yeah, all of those Man, things. I'd like to be alone in the broom closet with that girl. Yes. If the 13-year-old even could think that far. she was pro- He was probably like, oh, big titties. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> as deep as he got. Exactly. You know? But, mm, sorry, had to take another drink of coffee. Me too. Um, but he got, so Conan got so okay. righteous that he was like, not only can you, should you guys not be saying these things, but I want you to go and tell those girls what you said about them and apologize to them. 
And because he's older, so he is, this is 1992-93, and he was born in 75. So he's not 20 yet. He's almost he's, ready to age out. He's 17-ish. He yes, exactly. And these other boys in here are like 13, 14. So he could control them, and he preferred that. He liked hanging out with younger crowds so that he could feel powerful and control them. And this was something that he did often in these rehabilitation centers. So later so the boys do they go to this intern tell them what they said yada yada and then later conan admits to the boys that he couldn't give a shit less about what they said about the women he just liked to watch them squirm and be uncomfortable and he also liked to watch the women's reactions when they were told what was being said about them okay yeah so he was he's gross he was getting off on it yep yep um some others that knew him said that he was a follower, not a leader. And so later in the crimes that we see him commit with another person, they kind of said, you know, I actually think that because he was such a follower, it must have been the other guy. Whereas other people were saying, if you did not get the creeper vibe out of him right away, then your spidey senses are totally off. And one guy commented that he was super into Dungeons and Dragons, okay. but in a way that he wanted it to be his real life. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Not the RPG stuff, um, I know lots of people mm -hmm. who are into it, um, totally normal people, mm -hmm. but they don't think that they are the dungeon master. Right, exactly. No, he wanted to be. He wanted to bring this into his reality very much so. And when you couple that with possible childhood trauma and some mental illness, it's just not a wonderful cocktail it is of, not. A, uh, of internal No, because we're here. separating ourselves from reality, and that mm -hmm. makes it easier to do inhumane things to other people. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so I already have a bad picture of where this is going. Yeah, it's not lovely. I, I actually, when I read that, I thought that it was going to go like way darker like torturous type stuff no we're not there okay but just the ability to be violent against others just to separate mm -hmm. yourself yep um from so humanity eventually he does age out of the rehabilitation program sure. okay and so the major crimes that we're going to talk about that he committed um, in 1995. Now, at this time, he's about to turn 20 years old in December because his birthday was December 28th. So this all happens right before his 20th birthday because it does happen in November or December, as a matter of fact. Um, so Conan had a friend that he liked to crime around with. Crime around <laughs> with. You like that. I'm, I'm punny love, in the morning. Too. I love that. Yes. Hey, let's crime around. Let's crime around. Love it. And so that guy's name was John Jonathan Wayne uh, Seussbauer. Now, interestingly, Conan's middle name is also Wayne. So okay. we have a couple of Waynes here. But also fun fact, Conan went in the rehabilitation center in his teens. He went by Wayne. Oh. He did, probably because he got sick of being called Conan the Barbarian. I know. I'm just parents, I imagine. That's, that right. was the real abuse. His mom... Mom was turned on by Conan. Let's, oh, yeah. let's face it. So, anyway, that fur loincloth, mm. those muscles. I get it. Mm. I'm not judging. Right. Um. So I I realized though, if Conan really went by Wayne, and his crime buddy was Jonathan, they're John Wayne. Oh fuck together. me! Why do you gotta? <laughs> you, <laughs> we are corny in the morning, w big time. I we wrote, are so sorry. I know. I I'm wrote not. these notes in the morning too, so you that's did. why. Yeah, I did. I did. We have John Wayne over here. We do. Is that yep. the person? No, it's a duo. No. It, yes, exactly. It's a it's a crime duo. It is. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so Jonathan Wayne Seussbauer was in his early 20s in... Um, 95? Yeah, yep. In the So they're around the same age. And he's hanging out in the Eugene, Oregon or area with... Um, Conan. Conan Wayne. Wayne. Mm-hmm, yep. So, in let's see how I, I skipped ahead in my notes because I was so excited to tell you that they had the same middle name. I don't know why. You know what was popular in um the in like around 1995 was like Wayne's World. Oh, it was, and wasn't so it? So yeah. it'd be way cooler to mm-hmm. take on Wayne as your persona than mm-hmm. uh than uh Conan, Conan. which was right. clearly 70s and 80s. Yes. So. Yep. That's a good point. Yep. So these two are breaking into homes. They are stealing thousands of dollars worth of goods. And because they're straight dicks and no other reason, they would also just slash with a knife all of the furniture in the home before they left. Oh. Yep. Fuck them. Yeah. That's my couch. Yep. As if it's not bad enough that they're stealing jewelry and um, fur coats and all kinds of valuable things. They're just being malicious. Yeah, I get cases like that all the time. And you get them in front of you and you're like, why? Right. You need to break in to steal something. Fine, because you needed your drug money. But why you got to throw pain around and destroy? That's just anger. Yes, exactly. Towards somebody who has done nothing to you. Unnecessary maliciousness, Um, which is a cool band name. Unnecessary maliciousness. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my garage band name I, for I sure. I like that. I, I just, I just, you know, set it on a whim. Maybe in the morning is a good time where we have profound breakthroughs and we name shit. I like that too. Uh, all right. So at this point, they're also stealing cars, and they escalate to sexually assaulting women. <gasps> I suspect that there are more than what I can tell you about that was found in my research. I am sure that there is more because I am sure that this situation that I'm about to tell you about was not their first time because it ends up like being one of the first two times that they do these things and and get caught. I just don't believe that it's their first time. I suspect that they were probably sexually assaulting women that weren't coming forward um, and weren't able to be Are they sexually assaulting women in the homes that they break into? No. No, not that I can tell. So let's go to December 14th, 1995. They break, John, John and Wayne break into a woman's home. They sold, they stole several thousand dollars. Okay. Do it again. Slow down and have some coffee. Mm. They stole several thousands of dollars worth of her property as well. They slashed her couch and a stereo speaker with a large knife. Before leaving, they could tell that this was a large knife. This is important information. They have done this several times before, but I mentioned this specific one on December 14th because of what happens on December 16th. Okay. Okay. Um, So December 16th, 1995, around midnight. You'll have to follow this story because um, I actually took this right out of a court document and it it wasn't the, the best typed court document i'm not gonna lie megan it's from the 90s right yeah yeah so john and wayne drive up beside a a car that is parked on an isolated road in a remote wooded area in eugene all right so these two are just criming around and they see this vehicle parked on the side of the road because two teenagers it's around midnight they're getting it on And they just want to harass them for a minute. All right. So they were in a stolen silver Chevy Suburban at the time. 
All right. And actually, John uh, Sussbauer had stolen that just a few weeks earlier and hadn't been caught yet. So, oh, he's still out joyriding in this uh, he was. stolen car for three weeks. Yes. That's brave. That's ballsy, even. Well, and I think you gotta was, ditch that. I think this area is remote enough that that's he's had why. it hidden. Mm-hmm. They'd go find it in the in the bushes and, and just drive it around when they wanted to. Okay, what they they pull up on two teenagers, Kara Cruz and Jesse Jarvis. Jesse is a male, and they're parking mm-hmm. as we used they, to call it. Yep, yep, they went a parking. Now, what Jesse could tell the police later is that the person on the passenger side of the Suburban got out and he approached the car and he knocked on the window. He told the couple that they were on his property, but that they could stay. Why Um, why even knock on the window if you're just going to tell them you can stay? So he returned to the Suburban and Jarvis, uh, Jesse Jarvis said that he heard laughter at this point in time. You yeah, know? they I mean, giggled they thought like, they were oh so my God, funny. we were busted. And, right. okay. No. Oh, they were laughing. Yes. John and Wayne were. John and Wayne are laughing okay. like, oh yeah, I pretended to be the owner, owner of this homeowner, property yeah. and told them they could stay. All right. And so then the Suburban drives off. A few minutes later, Jesse Jarvis hears a man yelling. So he gets out of the parked car to investigate and then later he tells the police that a man just jumped out of nowhere with a large, and the man was large and stocky. Now, I will tell you that um, Conan Wayne Hale is large and stocky. Okay, I wondered about body types. We hadn't yep. discussed that. And he was dressed in dark clothing and wore a really long, like, trench coat. It was 1995. It was. All right. His head and face were covered in some kind of mask or scarf, and only his eyes were visible. And here's where I mentioned the December 14th um, robbery. He carried something that looked like a really large machete. Yes, because from slashing Mm -hmm. furniture. And was swinging it like a sword. Mm. So he spoke in a low, rough growl and threatened Jesse Jarvis with the machete. He ordered Kara Cruz out of the car and told them both to take off their clothes and shoes. So they had no choice, but they did this. And then um, Conan, Conan the barbarian at this point in time, he threw the couple's car keys, clothes, and shoes into the woods. And then he forced Jesse Jarvis to lie on the ground and Kara Cruz to lie across the hood of the car. And then he threatened Kara with the blade of the machete while he, trigger alert, sexually assaulted her. Okay. So shortly after this, Jesse and uh, Kara go right to the police. And Jesse told the police that he thought that the person who claimed to be the property owner and the rapist were different people. Oh. All right. So because he just like body type, he just he just wasn't sure. They're not immediately caught for this crime. Okay. On December 19th, 1995, John and Conan Wayne break into another house. And again, they steal thousands of dollars worth of property, including, among other things, a rabbit fur jacket. This is important information for later. A 38 caliber um, Taurus revolver with wooden grips and 25 rounds of ammunition for the revolver. Okay. Before they left, they again slashed the furniture with a knife, leaving their call sign like the wet bandits, bandits on Home Alone. Alone. All right. So then we go to the very next night, December 20th, where John and Conan Wayne were riding around in the stolen suburban 
again. Now, this time, John Sussbauer was driving, all right? They saw Conan's former girlfriend, Crystal um, Bendel. Crystal is only 15. Oh. Now, at this point in time, remember, John is 20. almost 20. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Conan is almost 20. Conan Wayne. Conan Wayne. And so she is only 15, and I will say, I because I always give you guys when I read conflicting information, there was <coughs> a naive person who claimed that these two were not just dating, were not really dating, they were just friends. But we know that Conan liked to hang around with younger crowds because he was able to control them and seem tough. And I will say the comments that I saw on that thread, some people called her um, very naive and some even stupid. (laughs) So, you know, I think that it was just like her just trying to say, well, I don't really think they were dating. I think they were just being, you know, palling around. Well, it his, doesn't matter. But. It, I think it's fair to jump to the assumption that he would have particular reasons for wanting to hang out with a 15 year old girl. Yeah, most definitely. She may not have had any Mm-mm. type of malice. And I like the word right. naive better than stupid because mm-hmm. what 15 year old girl isn't? Oh, no. The person who was um, commenting that they weren't dating, people were calling her naive. And oh, they stupid. were calling her naive. Yes. And stupid. Like, come on, man. And once you find out what happens, you'll see. Why. Okay. Why? Okay. <clears throat> So as it happens, Crystal was with her current boyfriend, Brandon Williams, who was also 15, and two other younger kids, Patrick Finley, who was 13, and Michael Black, who was 15. Okay. So the four of them are just walking, hanging out, walking around. It is late at night. And so John and Conan see them. They're in their stolen silver Suburban, and they pull up next to them. And they get out, they're talking with them. At this time, Conan is wearing a black trench coat and jeans. Now, remember, the guy who got out of the vehicle was wearing a black trench coat yes. um, the night before, right? With yes. the assault on Kara and, and all that. Um, so he offered the teenagers a ride. So Crystal Bendel, Brandon Williams, and Patrick Finley, the 13-year-old, accept the ride. Michael Black declined. Okay. And as he walked away, he realized that the Suburban was actually slowly driving off in a different direction from where they were supposed to be going to be heading home. And so now I'm going to give you a trigger alert. Okay. The next afternoon, December 21st, 1995, two men found the nude bodies of Brandon Williams and Crystal Bendel at a logging landing on McGowan Creek. They literally were just discarded on the side of a gravel road. Okay. All right. Now, Crystal Bendel had been shot twice, once in the back and once in the left temple. Brandon Williams had been shot five times. Three shots were in the head and face, one in the chest and one in the back. Okay. And now this is another trigger alert because it's just awful, but Patrick Finley was still alive what barely but he was lying nearby also just kind of discarded on the side of the road he had also been shot once in the head and once in the shoulder wow so he was also he was wearing like a plethora of things but one of the things that he was wearing was that rabbit fur jacket that conan and john had stolen in the earlier burglary on the 19th 
That's weird. Yeah. Why is he wearing it? I don't know. I think that because he was 13, I really think they toyed with him more than the other two. Okay. Um, so Patrick Finley d- did die four days later without ever regaining consciousness. Okay. So he can never identify or testify exactly. or anything. Yes. And I was just, he was 13 years old, you know, I, uh, all those parents lost those babies. Yes. Lost their babies. So because Michael Black declined the ride, he was able to tell police after the news broke of the three teenagers deaths that Conan and John had picked the three of them up late yep. on the night of December 20th and what they were wearing. I can't believe they let that happen. I, that really surprised me too. Like how if you have stupid are you? malicious intention, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they have at that point forcibly taken, um, mm-hmm. would you say it was Patrick? Um, Michael. Michael. Sorry, mm-hmm. Patrick yep, was Patrick in the fur is the coat. 13th. Yep. Um, why wouldn't they have forcibly, you know, kidnapped him, take I him know, into the truck? Right. Is it possible that they didn't form the intent to kill until later, having left a witness? Very possible because if you think about Kara Cruz and Jesse Jarvis, mm-hmm. They left them alive. However, the difference is they had a history here. They they could identify them. Yeah, they, they knew, knew who she they knew were. Him. And so I just wonder if they were banking that Michael didn't really know who they were. And maybe when they pulled up, you know, his ex-girlfriend may have said, oh, that's my, you know, I used to date him. This is, you know, John and Conan or something like that. Okay. I don't know. It's that part has bothered me too. Like why, or or did you just really not give a shit if you got caught? You know, I don't know. So obviously the police go and visit John Sussbauer at his home, December 24th, 1995, Christmas Eve. His freaking poor parents. Oh, I know. The Can police you imagine? rolling up and like, oh, we've got three dead bodies and we think you're responsible for them. They seized the 38 caliber Taurus revolver that was stolen during the December 19th burglary. So we're solving some other crimes here. Yep. This is suspicious. They're getting more warrants. And on December 26th, police search Conan's bedroom. They've got a warrant for him. And there they seize a black trench coat and a machete. Oh, this is looking bad for these uh, criminals. Yep. So, also, now we have, if you'll remember, they do have the statement from Jesse Jarvis and Kara Cruz that this is exactly what he was wearing and carrying during their attack, right? So, they bring in Jesse Jarvis, and he... Jesse Jarvis identifies John Sussbauer as the property owner that knocked on the door of his vehicle. Oh. Now remember. That's good. Yeah. He said he did not think that the property, the person posing as the property owner and the rapist were the same. And um, so then he identifies Conan Wayne as matching the body shape and possibly being the rapist. However, Kara Cruz was not able to identify in a lineup um, anyone, you know, that they had pulled in as the rapist um, when shown in in the lineups. And that doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, she's going through a horrific trauma. Um, And so the Taurus revolver later through um, scientific diagnostic, as I'm going to call it, because it's so early in the morning and I don't know what other word I'm trying to use. It was proved to be the murder weapon. Okay. okay. Forensic examination. There you go. Yeah. All the world. I want to say ballistics. Yes. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Megan. But my but my head's not working either. <laughs> 
So all the bullets um, that were recovered at the scene and from the bodies of the victims had been fired from that gun that was found in John's house. So testing the grip of the revolver revealed a mixture of DNA patterns. Most prominent, though, matched that of Crystal Bendel. Really? Yeah. Yep. I think she really fought for her life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now... I'm going to give you guys another trigger alert for some really gruesome crime scene, crime scene DNA evidence. We're going to talk about semen and where it was found. Sure. So skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear that. But semen obtained from Crystal Bendel's mouth, vagina, and anus were identified as John Seussbauer's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, her semen on her shirt and on the rabbit fur coat... Um, that Patrick Finley was wearing was identified as Conan Wayne Hales. It paints a picture. It does. It does. So they're both charged with aggravated murder and various other crimes, okay, in the murders of Crystal um, Bendel, Brandon Williams, and Patrick Finley. And then also the assault on Jesse Jarvis and Kara Cruz. And in December, and in the December 14th and 19th burglaries. Because they've got them. They had the, you know, the fur coat, the revolver, the slashing of the furniture in both of those situations. And I do believe later they are charged with other robberies. Where oh, the I'm furniture sure. Other home invasions. Well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Now, John Seussbauer agrees to cooperate and pleads guilty to, among other things, three counts of aggravated murder. He does. He does. Yes. How, and I think... You'll, not I think I know you'll be able to figure out why. Because Conan Hale pled not guilty and decided to blame John for everything. Sure. And the prosecution decided that they're going to seek the death penalty. So I really think that John was like, they're going for the death penalty. If I cooperate first, I won't get the death penalty. Correct. They Mm -hmm. will take death penalty off the table. And they did. Yep, yep. So uh, Conan is up for the death penalty, and he is still lying saying John was the catalyst of all of it. It was all him. He, it was. He um, followed under, you know, duress. He had, whatever, sexually assaulted these people under duress. Okay. so <laughs> Okay, she says. Okay. So now I'm going to tell you about some shit that went down that completely um, delayed Conan's trial. And I feel terrible for all of the families involved that this shit had to keep getting delayed because of this. While he was in in detention, all right, as it was described, so he's he's locked up, no no bond allowed, right? While he's detained. While he's detained, he asked to see a priest. Now, he is not Catholic, (laughs) okay? So Friar Timothy... Um, Macatus, a priest in Eugene, Oregon, visited Conan Hale on April 22nd, 1996. Okay? And he heard his confession. Without the priest's knowledge, prison authorities recorded the confession, which was conducted by telephone while Hale and the priest were separated by a glass partition. Yes. All right? Prison officials claim that all conversations of prisoners and visitors are recorded except conversations between prisoners and their lawyers. So for their for their policy, clergymen were right. not excluded from being recorded. being recorded. When it was revealed that the confession had been taped, the Bishop of Portland, Oregon, Francis E. George, 
protested. Correct. In a letter to the United States Ambassador of the Holy See in the Vatican, they deplored the recording of the confession. The uproar focused on the prosecutor, um, whose name was Doug ha- Harklerode. A great name. That's that is his name. I was like, did we forget to put a separation between Harkel and Road? Was just the start of the next section. No, nope. his name was Doug Harkel Road. Um, because they thought that Doug was going to use this, all right, to um as part, as, as part of the prosecution. But here's the problem: he wasn't going to do that because in this confession. Coney and Hale didn't confess to anything. Right. What he did was just solidify his defense. And he confessed to the to Friar Timothy that everything was John's fault. He knew it was going to be recorded. Sure. So he was just trying to solidify his defense. And so what happened somewhere along the line... The the Oregon Attorney General said that if the tape is not admissible, admissible, then the government might have to dismiss the charges of murder. But and he wasn't using like, it wait, anyway. Wait, 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 no, exactly. The prosecutor's like, hold on. Sections of the tape started to get leaked, and so then it's like, no, hold on. I'm not using this. This isn't this. If anything, this is would be something the defense would want to use. Right. Right. And so then it became a back and forth of, um, no, we can't use the The defense can't use this. You can't use it's a protected communication with clergy. Mm-hmm. Confessions are um, and they can be suppressed. So what would happen is if the prosecutor was going to bring that in, the defense would file a motion to suppress that information because it was a protected communication and they would win. And mm-hmm. now if your whole case was built on that, could there be a motion to dismiss and potentially a dismissal? Yes. But that was never the intention and there was nothing useful. Right. Now, if the defense wants to use this, then here's the thing, because the person who has the protection is the defendant. They could put that in then. In the, there wouldn't necessarily be a suppression, but it opens the door. Yeah. So once you put in a confession, something that would have been a protected communication from the defense, mm-hmm. the prosecutor has the absolute 100% right at that point to cross-examine and to roll with whatever gets put in. Right. But more importantly, the prosecutor in this case, who has a great name, um, he's like, dude, I didn't want to use this no. anyway. No, so exactly. I'm not dismissing my case, but or it, you're not going to dismiss my case, because I don't need any of this. It's like it got twisted because the you know when the Catholic church found out that it was taped sure then it was well it had to have been taped to try to use to you know to nail him to the coffin no it was taped because we tape all communications yeah other than in the attorney room and it wasn't going to be used so what happens is the catholic officials including the u.s catholic conference requested a federal judge in oregon to destroy the tape and its written transcript the court refused to intervene on the basis of doctrine and said this has been well established since 1971 that federal courts should not enter into matters that are in litigation in state courts until such matters have been resolved according to state law and procedures. The federal judge did, however, agree that the plaintiffs are justifiably outraged by the taping, which should never have occurred. In other words, the Catholic Church, they're the ones that are filing this. Yes. It's not anything to do with this particular, you know, with a hail. It's the premise in general. Yeah, exactly. So the judge is like, I understand how the Catholic Church is upset about this, um, but I'm not going to interfere 
with this open criminal court case right now based on your concerns about it, especially because it was obvious the Catholic Church had no idea what really the the premise of why it was even brought up anyway. Conan Hale knew it was recorded. Yeah. And he planted the seeds of his innocence and he wanted it to be able to be used. Yeah. And it backfired. So during the period when the destruction of the tape was being requested, the state of Oregon announced at that time its intention to seek the death penalty for Hale. And around the same time, um, Hale's counsel revealed that the audio cassette would be used if it could be helpful um, in his efforts to defeat the 22 counts of aggravated murder and other cries, cries against him in the indictment. In okay. indictment. So they're like, okay, um, no, you're not going to use this. So what happens is essentially the courts get together between January 12th, 1996 and January 27th, 1997, and they... Um, come up with a procedure they ordered that um the confession actually they ordered they they do not want it destroyed all right but they are not going to authorize its use in his trial okay so it's not destroyed but it it's not going to be used so judge noonan also um issued an injunction forbidding law enforcement officials in oregon from ever wiretapping communications between clergy and those who may be seeking their counsel that makes sense so yep i, I agree i mean i think so when you're good, seeking religious care that's don't do that over the recorded line yeah yep and i think that that's an appropriate response to this of okay we're not going to destroy this tape we're not going to allow it into court right. but also from this point forward we're not going to allow clergy communications to be recorded so we have this delay and this trial you know these things the trial finally starts in 1998 oh wow yeah which just makes me you know the murders happened december 20th 1995 and those these poor families um so at the trial conan's defense was that john Susbauer was the rapist and the killer and that he was merely in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> now john's story was the total opposite um, that Conan was the director of the abuse and murder of all the victims and that John was a secondary and in part unwilling accomplice. Oh, wow. Which does not make sense considering the you DNA evidence. Willing. Absolutely. You're both co-conspirators. Yep. And it didn't matter because the jury does ultimately reject Conan Hale's theory and convicted him on 13 counts of aggravated murder and multiple non-capital crimes um, that came out of the blur burglaries and attack on Kara Cruz and Jesse Jarvis. So... Conan Hill was sentenced on the non-capital crimes at the conclusion of the guilt phase part of the trial. And then the trial court then concluded a penalty phase trial on the aggravated murder convictions. In that proceeding, the jury determined that the defendant had acted deliberately in committing the murders, that he posed a continuing risk to society, and they did give him the death sentence. All right. So um, he was sentenced to death on May 28, 1998. And at this point in time, I do believe Oregon has taken the death penalty off the table. And so he is just incarcerated for life. Yeah, there was a, there's a stay or a moratorium on um, executions on the death penalty in a lot of states that previously had it. Mm -hmm. Federally, though, um, that moratorium doesn't exist or it existed for a period of time, but then they were reinstated. And he wasn't tried federally. He was tried right. state. Yep. So there's yep. there's that. And I've run across a number of cases like that recently. Uh -huh. So even if they were convicted and um, set to die, 
once they change their, the state changes their stance in the death penalty, it's just never going to happen. It's never right. going to follow through unless no. it was a federal conviction. But he is not going to get out. I mean, no. it's, you know, no, life, not life in imprisonment and here he is and, you know, he sealed his fate at 20 years old. Correct. You know, to spend the rest of his life in prison. It's just crazy. Does he still exist? <clears throat> he does. Okay. To my knowledge, he has not deceased himself. He's, so. <laughs> he's not unalived no, he's, himself he and no one has, else has unalived him. No one else is unalived him, shockingly. So at this, at this point, unless the information, unless that, unless it wasn't reported on. What right? happened to um? Excuse me, to John. Oh, life imprisonment. Yeah, but, but by plea agreement. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, because he pled guilty he and um, knew what he was getting as yes. a sentence. So yep. Was so that he plea was, bargained. Yeah. So he was not um, sentenced to death as well. Okay. Yep. 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 Are you ready for a brain bath? Isn't that gave I, me? Uh, so I don't know. I'm bringing you more crime. For, for my bath? For the brain bath. But it's, I love a crimey bath. It's nicer, more charming crime. Oh, it's not It's not a dirty bath. It's not. It's a clean bath. It is. It's, it's, it's a clean bath. Still a little crimey. But and this, this was a beautiful article. A beautiful article. I mean, it was an article in The Guardian. But it was written sweetly. So okay. that's why I called it a beautiful article. But it was they were reporting on a 78-year-old woman who has an affliction for Robin Banks. Ooh, granny. In a really nice way. Okay. So here's Do you picture the grandma from um, Elmer Fudd right now from uh, from Bugs Bunny? (laughs) This little lady with the walker. Yeah. She whips a pistol out. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So uh, this this is what the article said. A 78-year-old woman with two past bank robbery convictions faces new charges after allegedly carrying out a heist in Missouri, during which she handed a teller a note that said, I didn't mean to scare you. Bobby, Bobby, no, Bonnie Gooch. Good God. I love it. Bonnie Gooch. That's the whole reason I covered this. Yeah, just so because you wanted to say Bonnie Gooch. You wanted to say Gooch on, sure on radio. Did. Yep. She has been jailed on a $25,000 bond after she was charged with one count of stealing or attempting to steal from a financial institution in the holdup um, last Wednesday, I believe this actually happened last year, in Pleasant oh, Hill, God. Um, Gooch was convicted of robbing a California bank in 1977. Oh, granny. Uh-huh. And one in the Kansas City suburb of Lee's Summit in 2020. Bonnie was a real Bonnie and Clyde, huh? 2020, Megan. She just got out from that last one in Kansas City, and she back at it. Grandma was not rehabilitated. Her probation over the second heist ended in November 2021. That lady was so old when she got released, she could not acclimate herself she and couldn't. wanted to go back to prison. That's Honestly, right. I, send me back there. They have health care in there. I'm old. Yes. very. Oh, that's a good point. I just want to go back to my cell. Court documents filed in Cass County in, in her recent case <laughs> said that the robbery note demanded $13,000 in small bills and added... Thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Oh my gosh! Isn't this the this sweetest robbery? This is how I would rob a bank. And w- at which point they're like, "So here's your note back, where it just says no, thank you. You right. can move on to the next bank." And correct, correct. Um, the was she armed? Um, it doesn't say. Okay. 
The woman allegedly told the teller not to count the money and just give it to her. Surveillance video. I'll trust you. Right. Surveillance video also captured her banging on the counter, asking the teller to hurry up. Is um, she banging it with her cane? I I think just well, in her my hand. head. No, yeah. in my head, it's, it's her cane. cane. It's a cane. Witnesses, that was the weapon. Witnesses said the suspect was dressed in all gray and wearing plastic gloves, a black N95 mask, and black sunglasses. For Christ. Oh, prosecutors said she smelled strongly of alcohol when an <laughs> officer stopped her less than two miles away with cash scattered on the car's floor. Oh, she, was, oh, she got the money. She did. She was very stern with the officers. It, no, sir. I no, will sir. not have you ruin my day. Oh, so I've been locked up for however many years, 50 years. The police chief, Tommy Wright, <laughs> told the, the reporters, it's just sad. He said that she actually has no diagnosis of ailments or dementia or anything like that. She's just a bank robber. Like, she's just she's just a seventy eight year old, very sweet bank robber. No, um, no information that she was using a weapon either. Which I wonder if that's what happened in the two thousand and twenty one. She didn't use a weapon, and that's why she was out and on probation. Because you know, yeah, it's, it's a federal crime once you use a weapon of any kind or try to make something look like a weapon that's not a weapon. So I, I literally, I don't know what co- like coercion that she would have been using other than just this note of "give me the money." I'm not sure. Or they pled her to an attempt or something. Who yeah. knows? But that is that is adorable. Yeah. For a crime that they don't get much cuter than that. Th- thank you. Thank you sorry. for your time. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. That's a hundred percent. If I was to go down as a criminal, I literally would be like Apologizing. You, you look lovely today. Just so you know, please don't let this ruin your day. This is not your fault. I'm the shitty human. Right. But I just I'm in this situation. I need this right now, but uh, Girl, you're rocking those eyelashes. Yeah. I just love your hair. I just need you to go ahead and mm-hmm. get me the money from your till now yes. and put it in a bag. Let's keep this calm, keep, sweetie. Yeah, exactly. Everything's going to be fine for you fine. later. It's, it's not your money. This isn't even your money. It's, it's, not, it's not. fake, actually. You don't actually have all the money in the bank that all of these people's bank account statements say they have Correct. anyway. So, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's digital it's money. It's a victimless crime here. Really, it is. It's fine. I feel like we both just talked ourselves oh, into... Did. Thelma and Louise and some we shit. <laughs> Beautifully over the microphones. Like we I were don't. locking eyes and was more like, yeah, yeah this is it real. Was, it was it was lovely. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, thank you all for listening today. If you would like to binge um hundreds of extra content, go go over to patreon.com. Um actually there's a link in our show notes, but it's patreon.com forward slash crime curious. You'll find us there. Um I And then we have what? Crime Curious Podcast at yeah, no. At, what's our what's our website? Just Crime Curious Podcast. Crime Curious Podcast. Dot cam. Dot cam. Dot cam. Now all of a sudden we film this. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. See, it's early. I'm weird in the morning. I'm weird. I'm weird too. Yeah, we're, but we're out there. Is what we're trying to say. Like yeah, you can get up. more of us. Um, lots more of us, maybe more of us than you even want. It will be at times. We can be too much. Yeah. We've both been told that as children. We're aware. We yeah. Are, it was written on report cards. I was just going to say every freaking <laughs> report card. So I Megan understand. talks too much. Yep. Megan can be a bit much. Yep. A bit much. <laughs> a she's, bit much. That, she's, that's a lot of energy there. I, yeah. It can be. Absolutely. So, and I, and I like to be right. But if you're digging it, you can get more of us. Digging so. deeper. Yep. So until next time, y'all. Keep it curious. Keep listening. Bye-bye.